Well, good morning, church. Good to see you today, Living Hope. It's good to be together to sing, to listen to God's Word, to be engaged in God's Word and what He wants to do in our lives. Uh, This morning, we'll be looking at that passage in Matthew in just a moment. It's a true story. True story. Uh, Some years ago, a uh, Tacoma, Washington newspaper ran a story about Tattoo, an eight-month-old basset hound who went for an unplanned run one day. Well, when his owner accidentally shut the dog's leash in the car door and took off for a drive, Tattoo had no choice but to try and keep up. Fortunately, a motorcycle officer saw the passing vehicle with something being dragged behind it. But before Tattoo's owner finally stopped and the dog was rescued, the vehicle had reached speeds of 25, 30, 35 miles per hour. And in case you're wondering, Tattoo survived all that, though he's no longer interested in going in walks. (laughs) Now imagine poor Tattoo with his little basset hound legs trying to keep up. Imagine people who are running frantically through life trying to keep up. Imagine people who feel they're they're dragged through life and the best they can do is pick up their feet and put them down as fast as possible. Do you feel as though you've been tattooed? (laughs) Life feels out of control. You feel the pressure to do so many things and you're just trying to keep up. Are you feeling the weight, perhaps even of religious activities and your life can be described as burdensome? What's the answer to a stressed out life? Where do you go when your way of handling the weight of life isn't working? All right, let's play fill in the blank, okay? I start the saying and you finish it. This is audience participation time, right? You actually get, to, I'm giving you permission to fill the, finish the sentence, okay? I am at the end of my, I am ready to throw in the, I am at my wits. I'm just doing great. I'm just a bundle of nerves. I know that, that happened for a service too. My life is falling. I am fit to be. Cheer up, things could be worse. Yeah. Now, maybe some of those, those sayings there reflect where you are today. Oh, here's one more. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And those words from Jesus' lips from the passage that was just read for us is one of the more well-known and loved verses in all of Scripture. They are verses cross-stitched and framed on bathroom walls. And if you grew up in a church, chances are you know that section of Scripture, and certainly that one verse, quite well. And if we aren't careful, it can become some simplistic platitude like the sayings I gave you there just a moment ago, and they're kind of cliches that we throw around. Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary, and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Do Christians look restful? Does that describe your experience as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, or is it more like fatigue? 
worn out, trying to keep up as you're being pulled through the Christian experience. What is with this rest? And do you ask yourself, am I missing something? All right, look with me at Matthew chapter 11. I hope you're there in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 28 through 30, the passage that Mary just read for us. Matthew chapter 11. It's part of what we're doing right now through the summer, a sermon series on Follow Me. And it's looking at scriptures um, that see what Jesus says about discipleship. And last week, we looked where discipleship all begins by answering the call of Jesus to follow me. And these words of Jesus in Matthew 11 are often understood as a call to salvation, and it is that. These verses are also commonly referred to in the stresses and problems of life that can so easily weigh us down, and they kind of just need to be dumped on Jesus, and there's something to that as well. I want us to see Jesus' words here, though, as they relate to discipleship. Discipleship. Because Jesus wants more than our burden. He wants us. And Christ invites us, as we're going to see this morning, to join him in the yoke so you can walk and work together. And the yoke of Christ speaks to discipleship. It is, as Dallas Willard calls it, the secret of the easy yoke that I borrowed for my title this morning. All right, let's look at Matthew 11. I, I, I need to give you a little warning here up front. It, it's really to all the note takers in the room. I, 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 know, I know you like the headings that I most often provide for you. Well, today you're going to be a little frustrated. Right, I'm just giving that to you up front. There, there won't be these points. There, there won't be these points as handles for you today. Now, some of you just heard me say that this sermon was pointless. It's not pointless. It just doesn't have the points for these handles for you this morning. And that just may drive you nuts. I don't know. I, you know, I just want to approach this differently this morning. It wasn't that I couldn't come up with something. I just chose not to. All right? Because what I want us to embrace, what I want us to experience, what I want us to get our minds around is what, what is with this yoke? And how is it tied to discipleship? And I don't want to get lost in all this stuff. Take your notes. Just go for it. Doesn't bother me any at all. And it probably is helpful for you. Let me read the passage again. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Come to me all who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there's a couple of uh, observations that I want to make around Jesus' invitation here. A couple of observations. First of all, it's worth noting that Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And Jesus, here's the observation here. Jesus, like all rabbis in that day, had students. These students were Jesus' disciples or apprentices. We saw last week that Jesus' invitation was come Follow me, which meant come here, be a learner of me, come be my apprentice. And that meant as apprentice, you, you, you'd be with Jesus, you'd become like Jesus, and, and, and do what Jesus would do if he were you. Someone was talking to a, a, a great professor about a young man who was a friend of his, and he said to this professor, he said, my friend tells me that he was one of your students. 
professor smiled and said, your friend of yours might have attended my lectures, but he was not one of my students. What do you mean by that? Well, he was saying that this young man, he, he showed up for class, but he wasn't really there. He didn't really take the teacher's teaching seriously. He wasn't really there to learn just to get a passing grade. Are you a student of Jesus or are you merely attending his lectures? A follower of Jesus isn't someone who just shows up for class. They're not there just to put in their time, you know, get all the notes right exactly the way it's supposed to fit. No, no, a follower of Jesus is someone who wants to be like their teacher. It's to model all of your life after him. It isn't just information, it's imitation. And Jesus, like rabbis in that day, he had students, learners of him. First observation. Second observation about this invitation is Jesus, like all the rabbis in his day, had a yoke. Now, yoke's not a, a common word that we use, and we don't really have an image in our mind, perhaps, of, of a yoke, especially if you live in an agrarian or agricultural society. It might be foreign to us to kind of use that word, but a yoke was placed on animals for pulling heavy loads. A yoke was this uh, wooden frame fitted over the shoulders of animals to harness them to the plow and other beasts of burden. Essentially, essentially a, a yoke was a harness used by oxen and other animals to ease the work of hauling the load. Now, metaphorically, the, team referred, the, the term referred to bondage uh, to any mandatory responsibilities. And so in ancient culture, in ancient culture, the word yoke was a term that was also used to describe submission. So all rabbis had a yoke. So when someone was described as being yoked to someone else, it was communicating the idea that he or she was under the teaching, the tutelage of someone else. You were, you were a learner of that teacher. And that's how Jesus uses the term here. And so we're really going to flesh this out this morning. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a literal yoke as in farming, but a yoke referred to the set of teachings on how to live. And, 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 and so all rabbis had a yoke. And in and, and most cases, the rabbis' interpretation of the Torah, namely the first five books of the Old Testament, that became their yoke. The yoke then, get this, would be the, the rabbi's way passed on to his students of dealing with the burdens of life. A yoke is how you shoulder a load. But what Jesus was promising here was something that the religious leaders in that day could not promise, a yoke that was easy. For example, in Matthew 23, 4, it would be on the screen for you, Matthew 23, 4, Jesus said about the oppressive and legalistic way of the Pharisees. He said, and they, meaning the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, a yoke, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And so Jesus here, he's calling out those religious 
legalistic teachers for hiding the true meaning of the Old Testament law with all their religious rules, all their regulations that these externalists had taught was the way to God and to true spirituality. And they, they codified the Mosaic law into 365 prohibitions, one a day, and 250 commands. And to try and keep up with all of that was like Tattoo the Basset Hound, running with his leash caught to a moving vehicle. It's sheer madness, and it's exhausting. And if you've come from a legalistic background, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's frustrating. It's maddening. I can't help, it's kind of how my brain works, but that silly game at um, Fun Spot where you have the sledgehammer and you hit the gophers as they pop up. <laughs> right now, I wish I had one of those for the gopher living in my house underneath. I wish I had one of those. This is a game. And remember, the, you know the game, right? And so, so one gopher pop up over here, and you have the sledgehammer, you pop it in the head, and down he goes. Another one comes up over here, and you pop it over here, and you pop it over there, and you keep popping, and they keep popping up, right? Okay, I liken that to legalism, trying to follow all the rules and regulations. You bang this one, you pop this one down, thinking, all right, I got it. Another one pops up. Oh, I got to do this one now. And you hit that one, and you're running all over the place, trying to knock down all the stuff, trying to follow all the rules. It's exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. It's not a game. It's real life for some. Jesus calls it weary and heavy burdened. It's exactly what it is. So he offers a better way to live. He says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What kind of rest? End of verse 29 says it's rest for your souls. Have you found this rest for your soul? Got to ask that question this morning. Have you found that rest for your soul? Are you here today and you're kind of burned out on religion? You're here today and you're exhausted trying to earn God's approval by what you do and what you don't do. And if you're exhausted and in your efforts to try and please God, keep hitting that thing as it pops up. You're tired of, of looking for an answer to your restless soul. Listen, stop looking. Receive Jesus' offer of himself for the salvation, the spiritual rest for your soul. If you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that. That's the starting place. Now, if Jesus promises rest for our souls, then why does he tell us to put on his yoke? I mean, doesn't yoke suggest work? If someone was looking for rest, shouldn't we tell them they need a vacation or they need a day off or they need to go lie in a hammock or they need to get some sleep? But instead, uh, uh, for, the, uh, but, but instead for the weary and tired, Jesus says, rest will come by taking up my yoke. Now, what's this all about? Well, what would stand out to all those hearing Jesus' invitation right here was not that he had a yoke, for all rabbis had a yoke, but that he had an easy yoke. Yokes are for farming. They seem to represent hard work. That's what makes Jesus' statement here so remarkable. He offers a yoke that is easy. Now the word easy translates a Greek word that has a wide range of possible meanings. It can mean easy as we think of it. 
It could mean um, um, pleasant or, or loving or good or kind or useful or reputable. It can also mean, and this is where I'm kind of landing here, but, but it also means well-fitting. Well-fitting. Ox yokes were made of wood. And my understanding of this is this, and you can explore it for yourself and do your own research on this, but my understanding of this was before the yoke was made, the ox would be brought into the carpenter for measurements. The yoke was then roughed out, and the ox was brought back in to try it on. It was then carefully adjusted so that it would fit well. Not bruising or straining the neck of the beast. The yoke was tailor-made to fit the ox. Linger there. That's the assurance that we have of Jesus, who he says, put on his yoke. Tailor-made. Fits well for you, for me. Now, it isn't to an easy life Jesus calls us, okay? It's an easy yoke. There's a difference. An easy life tries to avoid the pain. An easy yoke gives us a healthier way to address that pain. An easy life is characterized by jumping from one temporary distraction to the next. An easy yoke finds that Jesus gives us what we need to work through that difficulty rather than around it. And if we make it our goal to have an easy life, you're going to be marked by frustration and disappointment, to say the least. We aim at an easy yoke, we'll grow in our ability to work through the hard stuff in life. Or as John Ortberg put it, your capacity for tackling hard assignments will actually grow. That's what a disciple looks like. Life may still be hard, but you never carry it alone. I mean, which is better? Working through the hard stuff with Jesus or doing your life your way without him? See, the world, society, our culture offers an escape when things get hard. And it's endless of what they'll offer you. Take this, take that. Don't, you don't have to escape, which often leads to what? Addiction or, or bondage. There's no way to live. Jesus offers something much better than escape. He offers a whole new way of life, a better way to bear the weight of our humanity. He offers himself, for he says here, come to me. Me, Jesus, personal here. And Jesus was contrasting himself with the religious leaders of his day. He, that he, he not only claimed to, to, to know the only way to God, he claimed to be the only way to God. And it says, if Jesus is saying here, come to me alone and not to another. And what do we find when we come to Jesus? That he's gentle and humble in heart, or some translations say meek and lowly in heart. N.T. Wright on that, those words says this. When Jesus declared here that he's meek and lowly of heart, he's encouraging us to believe that he isn't going to stand over us like a policeman. He isn't going to be cross with us like an angry school teacher. 
He goes on, and the welcome he offers for all who abandon themselves to his mercy is the welcome God offers through him. This is the invitation which pulls back the curtain and lets us see who the Father really is and encourages us to come into his loving, welcoming presence. And you hear that and you go, why wouldn't we come to him? <laughs> why, why wouldn't we? exchange our way of doing things that has only weighed us down with guilt, pain, and frustration and accept his way to shoulder loads in life. He extends an invitation to be tied shoulder to shoulder with Christ. And here's the genius of it. Jesus does the heavy lifting. Are you still trying to carry the weight of that burden, whatever it is going on in your life? And are you still trying to carry that burden, that difficulty, that trial, that challenge. You're trying to carry that yourself? You gotta look like this? Suppose you're, you're driving up a steep hill in a truck and I borrow this from someone else. And you notice in the distance as you're driving up on, on that hill, you, there's a man there walking on the side of the road and he's carrying this heavy load on his shoulders. I mean, it's just weighing him down. He's struggling, he's stumbling along the way, and when you finally reach him, you pull over and you invite him to get into the back of your truck, and he gratefully accepts. He gets in the bed of the truck as you drive him up the rest of the hill, and, and, but, but, but as you're driving, you look into the rearview mirror and you notice the man sitting in the bed of your truck, and he still has the heavy load on his shoulders. You pull over and you get, and incredulously, you just say, why are you still carrying the loads? Put, put the load down. The truck that carries you can also carry the loads. Don't we do that at times? I got it. Oh, give it him? I got it. I mean, how do you go about carrying the weight of life? Marital difficulties, relational conflicts, finances, world problems, parenting, singleness, heartache, trials. What, I mean, what is your go-to for shouldering your load? Jesus offers us his yoke, a better way to carry the weight of life. What's weighing you down right now? Frederick Dale Bruner put it this way. He said, Jesus realizes that the most restful give he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. This is why he's tied to discipleship. Realism sees that a life is a succession of burdens. Yes, it is. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. You see, you take Jesus' yoke and it provides us with a way of carrying life that will give more rest than the way we often go about living. If you're here this morning and you say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm, but I'm, I'm kind of worn out. Am I missing something here? Why am I not experiencing the easy yoke? I mean, what gives? Well, here's the thing. To experience the life of Jesus, we have to embrace the lifestyle of Jesus. 
That's the bottom line right there. That's the takeaway for us today. To experience the life of Jesus, we have to embrace the lifestyle of Jesus. And if we're honest, we have to admit, yeah, yeah, I want the life of Jesus. I'm just not sure I want the lifestyle. I mean, how many times have you gone away from a sermon or, or listened to a podcast and you said, that's the life I want? But then if nothing really changes, why not? Well, it's likely because you go right back to living the same lifestyle. You haven't changed any routines of your life. I speak to myself here. You get the results of, of what you're choosing during the week to live a certain way. Business operate under this principle. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. What's that saying is to our spiritual life? If, you're, if the results you're getting in life are, are terrible, then chances are your lifestyle's off kilter. If the results of your life are anxiety-filled and, and, and very little sense of God and there's a restlessness and a, a meaninglessness, then the routines that make up your day-to-day -day activities are likely off because you're getting the results of what you have in place of your system of how you live life. And Jesus wants to expose that. Jesus wants to expose that deep ache in our heart for life that is different than the one we carry so often during our week. And that way, it's only left us weary and burdened. I mean, and who here doesn't want some help in carrying the load? I'm reminded of a young woman. She answers the phone, and on the, on the other end, she hears, Honey, it's Mom. I call because I know that you're busy with the children, and I want to give you some help. I'm going to stop by to clean the house, take care of the baby, and prepare dinner for when the boys get home from school. She continues, I want you to get ready to go to my beautician. I paid her already. She's going to give you the works. Your appointment's at 1.00. She continues, give George a call at the office and tell him that you'll meet him at Ches Jay's for dinner on me. The young mother suddenly interrupts and asks, George? Who's George? Your husband, says the caller. No, my husband's name is Sam, she replies. Wait, 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 is this 555-3212? She says, no, this is 555-2212. The embarrassed lady on the other side says, oh, wow, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I have the wrong number. After pause, the young mother sheepishly asks, does this mean that you're not coming over? <laughs> Still take the help. I mean, who wouldn't use the help? I mean, we, we all feel the pressures of life. And someone offers them, well, take it. Okay, if I know you or not. Well, Jesus invites us to take up his yoke and to travel through life at his side. Learning from him and how to show the difficulties of life with, with, with a certain amount of ease. And in doing so, you experience what? Soul rest. Now, that doesn't mean you will live free of life's pressures. That doesn't mean even that the weighty trial will be removed. As the late Charles Stanley put it, he said, the burden is not necessarily removed, but our thoughts and responses are changed as we begin to love him, trust him, believe his promises, and rely on his power. Then as the weight of the affliction shifts, 
from our shoulders to his, we'll discover relief, although the situation may remain unchanged. See, Jesus doesn't just want you to dump your burdens on him and walk away unchanged. He wants you. He wants me. And if we accept this invitation, we'll be transformed. When we join with Jesus by being yoked to him, we enter in a closer relationship with him. And if we, and if we think of the yoke we carry as, uh, as meaning kind of fit for us, tailor-made for us, wow, we can find rest there. Now, following Jesus can be hard sometimes. Let's face it, really, really hard. But what makes it unbearable is when, is when, is when Brian tries to, to do it himself and when Brian carries the burdens himself. That's when it becomes unbearable. And then, and then you just kind of see Pastor Brian going around through life like this. Not a pretty picture. Been there. It just leads to exhaustion. And so for everyone in the human race, there's a weight to life, right? But when Jesus is carrying it with us, we could then say it's an easy yoke. So what's the secret of the easy yoke? Well, I'll let Dallas Willett explain it. Since I borrowed the sermon title from him, I'll take this too. But he says it, the secret of the easy yoke involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. He goes on. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, now get this, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone around us does. It's strategy bound to fail. The life we want is found in Jesus. But are we willing to embrace the lifestyle behind it? An easy life isn't the promise here. An easy yoke is. And that church has taken Jesus up on his offer of learning from him, adopting his way of life. That is the mark of a disciple. Let me say it again. It's one who's always learning from Jesus. We're looking at marks of the disciple here. This is one of them. It's one who's always learning from Jesus and devoted to this lifelong journey of imitating him. Lifelong. As a matter of fact, the, the word that's translated, the word for disciple, means learner. Are you a lifelong learner? Am I? I mean, it means we, we have to put ourselves under his teaching, right? That we must daily, if not hourly, join ourselves together with him. It's to take his life and his teachings as your template, your pattern, your view of things. It's answering the question, how would Jesus live if he were me? Learning from Jesus is a whole life endeavor. And that means... Jesus actually has to make it onto your schedules and into our daily practices. Are you continuing to learn from him? Are you continuing to embrace his lifestyle? Would you say that you're orienting your life around becoming lifelong learner of Jesus? Now, it is wrong to assume, and this is where I think this verse can be taken out of context. 
it is wrong to assume that you can obtain this promised rest apart from taking his yoke upon us. Okay, just pull this out. I'm just going to dump everything on Jesus, but I have no intention of really orienting my life around him. Not how it works. Not what he's saying. And what appears to be at first pass to be this oxymoron, a burden that is light, is that the yoke we shoulder, the, the stuff we of life we have to carry when lived with him who helps carry the load, then life is then manageable. The problem comes in. And that load is heavy. When I try to take over and do all the pulling, and I do all the handling of the problems myself. And all along the way on this journey of learning from him, we have to notice when there's any weariness of soul that just may be an indicator that we are trying to handle the load ourselves. It is an indicator. When I go, oh, this is awful. I can't even make it the next day. It's probably an indicator. It is for me that I'm trying to handle the load myself. Stories told. It's it's a familiar story, really. It's at the height of British uh, colonialism that an English traveler an English traveler lands in Africa intent on a rapid journey into the, and through the jungle. He charters some local porters, some tribesmen to carry all his supplies. And after an exhausting day of travel, all on foot, and after a fitful night's sleep, he gets up to continue the journey. Let's go! But the porters, the tribesmen, they refuse. Exasperated, he begins to coax and, and bribe and plead with them. Come on, we got to go. But nothing works. They will not move an inch. The English traveler turns to the porters, the tribesmen, and asks, why? Why won't you continue on this journey? And one of the porters answers, because we're waiting for our souls to catch up with our bodies. <laughs> we're waiting for our souls to catch up with our bodies. These tribesmen knew what they needed. We so often do not. And while we may experience spiritual rest from the burden of trying to save ourselves through our own efforts that this speaks to, we can still be so neglectful, though, in the discipleship aspect of this, of experiencing that rest on our journey. You're trying to keep up? Does the load seem overbearing? Has exhaustion just set in? Maybe it's time to let your soul catch up with your body. Perhaps you need to find a better way to carry the weight of life, to travel through your days close to him, learning from him on how to shoulder the weight of life. You see, to experience the life of Jesus, we have to embrace the lifestyle of Jesus. That's the secret of the easy easy yoke. That's the rest for your wearied soul. Let's pray. Lord, in all its familiarity here, I pray that we don't lose what this is saying to us this morning. That each one of us would allow your spirit to make the proper and timely application to our lives this morning. We ask you, we invite you to do that. 
We wouldn't leave with just generalities of what it might look like, but we'd leave with some specifics to our own lives of what it means to follow you and to learn from you and adopt your lifestyle. All to your praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.